worried I'm not hydrating as I speak into the microphone. Welcome back. Are we actually doing this? Uh, welcome back to the the newest episode of <laughs> TCP. Yeah, TCP. And uh, we have Gabe with us. Hey, Say, good to be here, Stephen. <laughs> my name is Ste- <laughs> Stephen. It's also good to be here. And Gabe, who do we have with us today? We have once again, Allie Burnett in the house. What, what? It's swell to be here, guys. It's swell to have you. I always love having a third voice, especially Allie. Mm. Yes. Because it's not I just agree. Stephen and I making stupid jokes at each other. Allie, if you could describe... <laughs> your, your, your perfect day. No. If you could describe why people should listen to this podcast, what would you say? What brings you coming back every week to our podcast? <laughs> I think that this podcast serves as a great landscape for critically thinking about the content that we are taking in. And I think critical thinking is needed. It's important. And sometimes in order to grow our own critical thinking, we can benefit from listening to others and thus cultivate the same types of skills. So I think this podcast is a place to do that and to enjoy. And uh, you get to engage with that and listen to what other people think. That's our podcast. I'm glad Ali said critical thinking, though, because that's all I really do is I think critically. (laughs) (laughs) Or people think critically about you, Gabe. (laughs) I think that was kind of what I said last time we did this, too. That's hilarious. That's all I guess we can say is uh, we try to have a nice balanced, um, you know, fair and balanced take. (laughs) Yeah, our our bio on Instagram. We have an Instagram, by the way, if anyone wants to check us out. Wow, first plug, and we're 130 episodes in. Yeah. (laughs) But our bio says a, a pop culture podcast for critical thinkers and casual listeners. You can be a casual thinker and, <laughs> and still enjoy yeah, our casual. critical thinking. What about casual critical thinkers? This is a delicate topic. We do have a bit of a reach, I think, between the two of us. We have a, I mean, you have the critical thinkers and I have the, uh, the rest of them. Given the old <laughs> reach around. <sighs> the bait man. The bait man. <laughs> yeah, it's our first bait man of the night. Of many. There's a joke about Jason Bateman's name in the Joker voice going, The Bateman. And yeah. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. We're the only people who think that's funny. No one else is laughing. I'm not even laughing. <laughs> what are we doing here, Steve? What you guys think about... Yeah, before we get to our main, our main course, let's have a discourse. Wow. About the new Netflix 2022 trailer that dropped today and how tremendously... Uh, awkward and cringe it was. <laughs> How whelmed were you? Under? Under. Over? <laughs> I would say under. Can you just so be whelmed? Weird. I'm constantly whelmed by the world around me. It was so strange because they had actors in their makeup, almost like probably while shooting a scene, turn to the camera and say a, a line from a script that was written to be strung together in a cohesive ongoing sentence that became the narrative of this trailer that talked about all different kinds of movies that are coming out for the for this year for netflix with a bunch of different famous people and it just came off as really contrived awkward yeah but the best part about it was seeing the cast in full wardrobe and uh daniel craig for knives out 2 which is coming out this year i didn't even know that yeah I'm excited for The Gray Man. Did you see that one with... That's a Russo Brothers film, right? I actually didn't know that. I just know it's Ryan Gosling and a crazy ensemble cast. Uh, it's like a 
globe-trotting spy thriller action film. I don't know. Something like that. I just saw Ryan Gosling and my uh, heart skipped a beat because I love him. Mm. Yeah. What did you think, Allie? Anything look interesting to you in that teaser for uh, the next year of Netflix streaming titles? So was the, I don't understand, was the trailer actually actual scenes from all of the shows or was it like a facade? Sort of. I think it's both. Both. Like, I think they were filming a scene and someone came on a set that day that represented Netflix and said, can you read this into the camera? I would hate that if I was. And they were like, uh, sure. We spent four hours in makeup just to be here, but yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a, a big fan of the trailer. It didn't get me excited about the shows. I mean, it was cool seeing a lot of different actors, well known actors, and, you know, I guess seeing the potential there, but it did, yeah, it definitely fell short and. It didn't make me excited, which is what it was probably supposed to do. Yeah, and the music that they used was also strange. It might be the worst thing I've seen Netflix produce in a long time. This this trailer. Wow. I mean, think about it. Think about that versus the I'm thinking of ending things trailer. Well, we had Cowboy Bebop two months ago, so. This trailer is worse. Wow. Big claim. Anyway. It wasn't great. Gabe, what are we here to talk about today? Another Netflix yeah, we've been on. We've been in the Netflix fever recently for the Cult Popcast, and today is another famous title. No, no exception. <laughs> today we're here for Ozark, season four, part one. Netflix's critically acclaimed drama about America's favorite uh, money laundering family. Yes, and as as is usual for. Shows like Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, they sp- split the last season into two parts. And so instead of having one final season that's the same length as the previous seasons, they decide to pump it up by a couple episodes and split it into two and then separate the time in between. So this is season four, part one, seven episodes, and then we'll get another seven episodes that finishes season four. And it'll be 14 episodes instead of the usual 10 episode length for the other seasons of Ozark. And the last time we covered Ozark was for season three and Allie was here. So that's why we've invited her back. Wait a minute. Hold on. Pause. Game of Thrones actually didn't do that. It was, it was just shorter seasons, but it doesn't really matter because a season is, well, that's how they marketed it. At least they didn't call it a split, but like a season of television is like, it's in that in that consciousness of the time for the culture that it's landing in. So even if you have a year in between your season, it still feels like a whole new season of television. So right, it's a little strange. I think I, I don't I don't think it works. It's not like a good fad to me. I think it's kind of dumb. But they've been doing it since like broadcast TV and its heyday with like Lost and other shows and stuff. But I don't mind as long as the quality is still there. Which isn't always the case. I think for Ozark, it is the case. The quality yeah. is still there. Well, let's talk about the cast that wasn't in there from before. Cause uh, from the cartel? Yeah, the cartel and the detective, the PI. Oh, yeah. And the woman cop. I think those four people are worth talking about. But if you want to listen to the rest of who's in this show, you can do a little thing I like to call Google. Or you can go listen to our season three episode. Oh, we did do a season three episode. Or just go watch Ozark. Yeah, just watch the show. It's a good show. Yeah. And read. You have to read the credits. Also, you could read the show. Steven and I watch everything as subtitles, so we actually <laughs> <It's> read... <very> <laughs> we actually read every show 
we watch. I think it's helped my reading skills, to be honest. Like, I think I can read faster now because I do that. I'm sure it has, honey. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks, darling. Read a book, Steve. It's enjoyable because you're using, you're using your mind in, in multiple ways, visually and reading the words. Yeah. It's a different way to intake information and it'll I think also process it more deeply. In, it'll also help you get into foreign films. Yeah, that, that's true. That's a, foreign films to, are awesome. Yeah. And a lot of people are scared of them because they don't want to read the subtitles. Like Dark. Dark yeah. is really good. Perfect example. And 1899 coming out this year. Very exciting. I have the cast here if you want. Do it. So a couple of the new stars of the fourth season, new characters to introduce more chaos for the Bird family. We have Omar Navarro's uh, nephew being introduced, Javi Alessandro, played by played by Alfonso Herrera. I really like him as an actor. I think he is killing it. He no scares pun, me. No pun intended. Yeah, he he did a great job. We have a PI, Mel Satum, played by Adam Rothenberg. He's really good. Special Agent Miller is played by Jessica Francis Dukes. She's the FBI agent. Who is working with... And who plays Navarro? Navarro is Felix Solis. I guess he is sort of a... You want to do a quick summary since you just watched, watched all of it in the last day? Full disclosure, I, I just watched it all. Well, we pick up right after the way season three left with Marty and Wendy uh, being guests at Omar Navarro's party in Mexico at his cartel headquarters. Right after he blew the brains out of his previous lawyer and main character, Helen... Helen Pierce or something, who was a, a big player in the season three. So now Marty and Helen are at the forefront of their relationship with Navarro, and they are there's no barrier between them and him. They are just working together in that way. And they go back home, and over the course of the season, they have to deal with that relationship burgeoning. Uh, Navarro's main thing this season is he wants to leave the game. He actually wants to retire, more or less, as the drug kingpin. Mm-hmm of his region and his way to do that is through marty has to try to convince the fbi to let navarro uh off basically and navarro doesn't want to do time so they have to come to some kind of agreement some concessions have to be made that's the main plot of the show there's a bunch of stuff revolving in the orbit namely javi this new character who is this firecracker young blood navarro's nephew who wants to like take over and he's like willing he's He's the wild card, I guess, for yes. this season. Yeah. I, I hate everything about him because he exists solely to bring... Antagonism. Further mm-hmm. chaos to the Bird family dynamic. Yeah. Uh, and so he's back and forth between Mexico and Ozarks to just kind of intervene in the, in the Bird's life. Right. Uh, this whole time we have Ruth back and she's trying to deal with her stuff. She doesn't, doesn't work with the birds anymore. She's spending most of the season working with Darlene Snell and Wyatt and their weird loving relationship with that baby Zeke. I can't even remember whose baby that is. Pastor. Oh yeah. There was a pastor that died. I got killed. And then there's this whole fresh, uh, thing going on with Jonah, Marty and Wendy's son. After Charlotte has freshly recovered from her rebellious streak, Jonah is now a teenager who is in his rebellious streak, and he is working against the family at every opportunity because he is devastated after the death of Ben, Wendy's brother, who Wendy had killed because he was compromising their entire operation. And Ben's death is something that all the characters are dealing with still in this season as well. They put his ashes in a goat. And how... (laughs) A porcelain goat. And how does the season end 
or the the half this half of the season end yeah everything builds to a boiling point and it finally pops off where uh omar navarro is apprehended after his deal with the fbi goes south and in uh, revenge for this uh javi basically goes on a bit of a streak and sort of assumes control and shoots Darlene Snell and Wyatt. <gasps> um, yeah, so he's he's the main antagonist now. And uh, we, we leave the season with Ruth having just learned this, and she's driving away. She Who, screams at the birds. Yeah, she... Kill me! Yeah, Ruth is um, beside herself. That was like my favorite part of the season is where Ruth is, even though it's sad. She just, as an actress, she killed it. Julie, Julie, uh, Julia Garner. Julia Garner, yeah. She's so good. Yeah, she's amazing. And so she's on the warpath now to take vengeance against Javi, even though I don't think they've really any interacted up to this point. Maybe. Yeah, she doesn't even know who he is or what he looks like. And the birds are in an interesting position because they're pretty much... They're like, ready to fly. Yeah, they were... They're ready to fly and spread their wings. <laughs> they were... Uh, pretty much ready to be out of the game by helping Navarro retire. But Oh, that's right. At the mall, right? Yeah, but since that whole thing went south, it seems like they're not out of it yet. That was an interesting part of the season. I, f- I forgot about that. It's interesting to note that this season begins with a flash forward to what might be the end of the series or True. the beginning of the finale where all four birds are in the car driving away. Not flying. Not flying, driving. They're, and They're grounded a- birds. They're like chickens. There's a terrible car wreck where we don't know if they've even survived. So that has yet to happen. Uh, it'll probably happen at some point in the next season. That was a great summary, Gabe. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate your effort. So there's our there's our season. Okay. So let's jump into a little discussion. And then we'll close with some of our projections, potential ideas about what will happen in the end of Ozark. Yeah. Let's start with Allie. What'd you think, Allie? Um, I enjoyed it. I have enjoyed Ozark in general as a show and this season in particular. Yeah. One thing that I've been thinking about is the fact that all the characters are morally compromised, some more than others, Um, except for perhaps Maya in the fact that she kind of goes by this specific moral code, if you will, because in the end she like ends up arresting Navarro, despite her superior saying, no, like just put on your big girl pants and this is what we're going to (laughs) do. She makes the call to do what she thinks is right, which maybe is her, I don't know, maybe it will be her downfall. We'll see what happens to her. But um, I don't know. I've been just been thinking about what the characters mean and like what this idea of morality is in this show. Um, for example, like Jonah, like he's morally compromised in certain ways. Like he's laundering money. He, he does cover for his family in a lot of ways, turn the cheek in a lot of ways, but then he is deeply grieving his uncle and the show, the conflict between him and his mom, um, Wendy in this show, I thought was really pivotal in the story arc and it points to Wendy and her kind of unraveling too um, in certain ways we've seen her perhaps fall into her true self more Mm. whereas maybe we've seen Marty make 
some subtle changes in his character throughout the show or like shift in certain ways but i feel like almost wendy has fallen into herself more and more and more and more because even her own dad the interactions with like her and her dad it's like her dad is like given up given up on her long ago so wendy is has always been like such an interesting character to me the fact that her Mm. name is wendy bird like the pun there from like peter pan and like what wendy and peter pan represents and just the the irony there i think is really interesting because she's she's anything but a nurturing figure in a lot of ways and especially because you get to that point too where she's ready to betray jonah in order to you know quote unquote save him but yeah she's just taken this turn this dark turn like and i don't know i've just been thinking about what the show does with morality and how with each season it progresses more and more to an unraveling morality Hmm. specifically for the bird family and yeah even ruth you see her have more of more of a conscience perhaps than some of the bird characters which is interesting because she grew up not privileged um so yeah what do you guys think about morality in the show i feel like the whole thing is about shades of gray right Mm -hmm. even i mean even the color palette of the show is all muted uh and washed out i also loved wendy in this season her dynamic with jonah was probably my favorite part even though it was difficult to watch what was your nickname for jonah again for what jonah jonah did i say jonah what was your nickname for jonah again Oh, he's a little bitch. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Steven explained to me earlier how he's sympathetic towards Jonah in this season. I said no. <laughs> I, well, I, every season I've been sympathetic toward him. Yeah. But well, this is an interesting season for him because he, to me, in my mind, he's just, everything he's doing in this season is less about righteousness and more about... Uh, Revenge. Yeah, it's vengeance mm. against his family, particularly his mom. That's a good Because point. of the death of Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Wendy Bird is such a fascinating case study for me in this movie because of her sure. descent, or perhaps ascent, to her, like Ali said, potentially her truer form. She, before the show had started in, in this world, had always lived a life that was kind of like, wasn't doing anything for her. She wasn't satisfied in any meaningful way, in any capacity from her life. And so the doors are opening, and you can see every, every bird every uh, member of the bird family <laughs> in this show over time. And especially in the, in the season has sort of been like kind of getting into their lifestyle in a, in a way that is like they're, they're enjoying it almost to a degree, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. But Wendy specifically, I'm, I'm glad you pointed her out because there is this ruthless quality to her. And I think another character it might've been Jim, her, the lawyer guy even said to her at one point, like this, like you, this suits you. Like this is, you mm-hmm. enjoy this. Something about being a big fish in a little pond. Mm-hmm. And Wendy is oftentimes going about things in the completely wrong way, screwing things up ultimately even more. But, uh, she is, she is a powerhouse. And Laura Linney just brings this amazing performance to this Honestly, she's an elemental force, and it is she even uh, commands the respect of Navarro, who is this drug kingpin, and he makes that clear towards the end of the season. Like, there's something special about Wendy and how she is this just uh, mm-hmm. very powerful woman. So. Or when she confronts Darlene, and then yeah. Darlene has what a stroke or something. Yeah, she Heart almost Heart lets Dar- Darlene just die there on on the road 
by not calling the ambulance when yeah. Darlene's having a... Motivation is interesting because you see Wendy, she's clearly motivated by power and by uh, this controlling aspect where, you know, she mentions multiple times, like, we will be the most powerful family in the Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. or the most, I don't know if it was powerful, the word she used, but most... Influential. Influential, whatever it is, it's still synonymous with, with power. Yeah. Right? So... Marty, in contrast, is so interesting because they're such different personalities. What do you think Marty's motivation in all yeah, of that, this is? That was going to be my main point was I think Marty's the most interesting character for me because of his disconnection with uh, everything around him. He's the only character, and I, and I brought this up Ali, when we were watching it, but he's the only character that like doesn't really show his emotions often. Like he's never like really screaming or yelling or freaking out or panicking as much as all the other characters are. And to me, that shows either immense maturity or immense disconnection. And I don't really know which one it is oftentimes because he is, you know, often presented with a a piece of bad news. And instead of freaking out, which is what most of the characters do in this show. He's just kind of like, hmm, okay, let's fix it. And then he just is kind of like a fix-it person. But his morality is really interesting because while the question of morality surrounding, you know, this quote-unquote business of money laundering and, and you know, killing people and working for uh, the cartel, the mafia mob thing, is like undoubtedly immoral or bad. I think he's doing it sort of on autopilot as a means to an end to get out of what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And it often to me seems that like Marty is just like checked out mentally and emotionally. Um, I think the thing he's most passionate about in the show is his kids are his kids you see that time and time again, especially when his wife, Wendy threatens the safety of the kids in some way or another, or someone else threatens his kids throughout the show. Well, you even see that too with his, with even with Ruth, even though they have gone through a lot, like you even see that point where she says, I'm going to go in and he says, no, you're not. She ends up going in and risk, you know, risking her life and, he essentially, he risks his own life to yes. make sure that she's not killed. He, he cares for the people around him that he cares about. I'm unsure how much he cares about Wendy still because their relationship was really, really rocky in the last season, in season three. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. Like, it's it's fascinating to me to watch him in response. Like, he's always the person to, to not play the game of like, hiding or hiding information or withholding information from the people that he cares about. So he's always the first person to tell it like it is and be a straight shooter. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, when Ruth comes in at the end and she's holding a shotgun to them and she's screaming at them, like who killed Darlene and Wyatt. And then Jonah reveals a piece of information. Marty quickly to save Ruth says, don't go after him. If you go after him, it will be trouble for you. Like he's trying to protect her, but she thinks he's trying to protect his own family, which he might be as well. But basically saying, this is someone you don't want to mess with. Like this is life and death we're talking about. And so oftentimes I think Marty is presented with 
the real stakes of life and death. And he has to quickly circumvent that. And almost, I feel like he's constantly playing like a very complex chess game or something with, with all of his people in his life and all of his family members because of how he's constantly trying to like pick up the pieces and the messes that everyone around him is creating. It's, I mean, he did it with Jonah when Jonah's uh, laundering system went rogue or whatever, where he got sabotaged. He's done it with Wendy multiple times throughout the show. And then Charlotte hasn't really been a problem this season because thank God she's just, she's just drinking the Kool-Aid. So, but, and then he does it with, with Ruth over and over again to, to protect her because I think he really does care about her, mm-hmm. you know? And there's that line in this season, which was also really fascinating when Ruth asks like, what did you see in me when you first met me? And he basically tells her, I thought you were really intelligent and like a smart, capable young woman, like, which is something she probably never really heard much in her life because of the, uh, the position that she grew up in, you know? Mm-hmm. So Marty's, Marty's character is fascinating to me to just watch how he navigates. I've never seen a character like him, honestly, in a show. Oftentimes the most intriguing characters are written to be emotionally complex and they're always saying one thing and doing another. Those are often the most interesting characters like when it comes to storytelling because, you know, it's like they don't even know their own emotions. Marty is someone who actually is like, I think actually understands his emotional position on everything and then is able to intelligently act accordingly, you know? Yeah. I would say he's a master of compartmentalization. And I think in a word that would be how I would summarize him. I don't think it's I don't think it's indicative of a immaturity or like a, an, an inability to connect with people. I think he just knows he's very even keeled and even tempered. And like you said, he knows himself in such a way that he doesn't uh, allow himself to lose himself. Like we, we can count on one hand, probably the amount of times we've seen Marty, uh, break down in this show. Like I can only think of the pilot episode from my recollection and, and Navarro when he's captured by Navarro. Yeah, exactly. And otherwise he, he just knows what he needs to do and, and does it. And he's like, you said, he's not worried about, he's not worried about ego and he's not worried about anything. Cause he knows that ultimately any situation can be handled with logic and with reason and, and time. Yeah. I feel like if everyone just stepped back out of Marty's life for a minute, he could sort this all out in a matter of hours. Seriously though. (laughs) Yeah. And it is, it is refreshing to see that in a show that is all about chaos and everyone making the wrong decision all the time, except for Marty pretty much. Yeah. There's an unmatchable level of, of anxiety in this show. at least for me. It's interesting how the majority of characters brought into the birds interactions throughout the seasons have become casualties. I mean, you can just name one after another after another. Yeah. Um, Oftentimes of their own design, though. Oftentimes, but a lot of times not, like the sheriff and like, I mean, like just through the interaction with the birds, there's just all these, there's a lot of innocent casualties that happen. And then on this season, you know, you get, even though it was because of Darlene's stubbornness, she gets killed, but then Wyatt, who's completely innocent it's it becomes a casualty as well and it's almost like only ruth is i think the only one that's really survived in their in their circles in a lot of sense like i feel like maya might have it coming for her who knows but yeah yeah interesting how it seems that for a family where it started out with like marty needing to get out of this pickle 
in every season, more and more casualties as they go on as survivors, you know? But yeah, and speaking of of Wyatt's death, I feel like that was a huge um, turning point or um, like climax for Ruth's character because it becomes like the last straw. Like Wyatt is who she loves most in the world, her cousin, and now he's taken from her after everyone is taken from her. And you get, obviously, like you guys mentioned before, you get this incredible scene of her unleashing her fury, uh, rightfully so. And I am very excited and interested to see what happens with her because she is a force as well in a different way. And so I thought that was an interesting, I guess, way the the season played out for Ruth. Heartbreaking, but also like super interesting. Yeah. She sold it too. Julia Garner's last scene was insane. Yeah. Marty. Yeah. (laughs) Overall, I mean, when I started this season, like it, this show feels in a way formulaic to me. Like you have in every season we've had the wild card person enter the scene and be someone who's just causing a disturbance in one way or another. We've had, like a detective kind of person in every season. So you have those two characters in this season as well. For example, in season three, you had Wendy's brother and then you had Maya. And then in this season, you have the other PI from Chicago hunting down Helen. And then you have Javi who's introduced as the wildcard character. So it, it just feels a little bit like the same thing again, Um, And I'm glad, honestly, that it's ending at this point because I'm just like, okay, we get it. It's still very, very good, better than a lot of other things on Netflix, but it just feels like, you know, pretty samey. I was hoping that they would do something a little bit different structurally uh, for the story of this season, but... I I think that I agree with you, Stephen, Um, but I think that that glimpse that we get back in this season of of Marty reminiscing on when he's, you know, still in Chicago Mm -hmm. and what, you know, that kind of idealism of, of, oh, the Ozarks and what what could that potentially offer him and his family and this kind of like escape in some ways for him. And um, I almost felt like that was like that breather of like... Mm -hmm reminiscing uh with him as an audience of like this is how far they've come and we're getting to that end point Mm -hmm. even though we love we've loved the experience and like within all the anxiety we're approaching that end point and um i thought that was like an interesting choice to kind of bring us back into the, the beginning yeah i'd agree with that there was a lot of interesting flashbacks yeah, to him reminiscing on his time in Chicago. And it does seem like there's an end in sight, you know? Yeah, they're, they're, they've got nowhere else to go at this point. Every season, they've gotten a step closer to the end game. You know, moving a little higher up the food chain to get to Navarro. And now they're here. And now he's bringing about the end times for the Bird family and for their relationship. So, yeah, so let's talk about future projections. Any ideas of how you think this show will end? The one thing I can say is I really hope Marty doesn't die. Well, we know they get in a car crash. We see that in yeah, the first seen, episode, but we don't know what happens. They said something in that scene about they have 48 hours, which is 
the same amount of time they had to deal with Navarro. So I'm curious where that will play out in the timeline. I'm thinking it'll be sort of towards the end. I don't know. I don't know about the Bird family specifically. I do think Javi is going to bite it somehow. Maybe Ruth kills him. I do think, on an interesting note, I think special, special agent Maya Miller has sealed her fate by that act of right, that act of potentially self-righteousness where sure. she went against the wishes of the FBI to arrest Navarro. I think she, I think she's going to die. That sucks because she has a baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this show has no problem with creating orphans. So, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, true. I'm really the, honestly, what I'm most curious about is how they're going to incorporate this, this, uh, this PI because he's just wandering around all season asking for a signature. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't even want to be here. <laughs> I'm very, there must be doing something big with him yeah. because why, why, you know, I think he'll bring be, him along. Yeah. I think he'll be a foil at some plot point. He'll show up at the wrong time or the wrong place or the right time or right place and change the outcome of whatever event is taking place in that time. You know what I mean? So he'll either die or, he will kill somebody important, I think. Yeah. I don't see the entire bird family making it out maybe. okay. Here's a scenario. Maybe Javi will be holding like all the birds at gunpoint. The PI shows up, shoots Javi, and they're like, Sorry, I just he looked like a bad dude. <laughs> Can I get the signature now, please? Yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. Can anyone tell me where Helen is? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There was an interesting line in this season about uh, Charlotte and Jonah talking about if their parents were dead, what would they do? So maybe both Marty and Wendy will die and we'll have Charlotte and Jonah, you know, get away. I'd hate to see Marty die. I mean, that's to me, if Marty died, like I feel like he's worked too hard and it would be un, like very dissatisfying yeah. for the audience yeah, I think so. to be like, wow, all of that hard work down the drain like at this point, you kind of want to see him succeed and have like a happy ending in Chicago. I would not care if Wendy died though. <laughs> Just saying. She's like you were saying earlier. She's like really good at being a bad character. Yeah, which is why I think Marty might give himself up in this potentially Christ-like way. To save his family. No. Yeah, I don't no. know. I just feel like Marty can't get away with it, you know? He's our hero and he's got to die. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really, if I, and also like, I think here's another thing, completely not following, you know, the plot of the show, but just following in the minds of the culture and how pop culture works. If Marty does die, because this show has already been so heavily compared to Breaking Bad, I feel like that would even like solidify that comparison even further. Like it's just another version of Breaking Bad. So I I almost would say that he's not going to die. Flies away. (laughs) He spreads his wings. No, seriously though. Like, yeah, I, I kind of, I could, I think it's the smarter route to go that way. Maybe he gets on a plane. But with more complexity than just like, Oh, Mm -hmm. happy ending. I would. Yeah. I think you're right about complexity. I think this show has always been complex. And even if you see them at the end, like, Oh, they're all alive. But there's still that tone of, like, this family is not okay, you know, like, emotionally. And, like, where are they really going to go next? Here's what I want. I want to. I want them to do a Dark Knight Rises. And maybe the car crash is the last thing we see until a post credit scene happens in the final episode. 
And we see like the PI like having lunch in Europe and he looks across the <laughs> courtyard and he sees the bird family just sitting down at a table. Drinking espresso. Ultimately, all I care about With is Catwoman. It, yeah, <laughs> she's there. Anne Hathaway's just here. The bait man. The bait man. <laughs> we have to kill the bait man. It's simple. We kill the bait man. Look, at the end of the day, all I care about is that Ruth gets out okay. Yeah, I love Ruth. Ruth is the only person that I want to be happy. Everyone, everyone loves Everybody Ruth. Everybody likes Ruth. Everybody likes Ruth, and she... Everybody loves Raymond, too, but... <laughs> yeah, look where he is now. <laughs> I love Brad Garrett, to be honest, but that's just me. This could be uh, very controversial for me to say right now, but I, I do think there's a high chance Ruth might die. I will stop watching the show if that happens. Are you serious? After the show ends. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't that. know. I could see it happening because she is the like remaining most moral person in the show. Even though she's done bad things, I think this show being so smart and dealing with morality on such a large level, I could see them killing like the most like remaining moral person in the show. Here's why I don't think that's going to happen. Why don't you tell me, Gabe? Because she's already lost everybody. Well, she could lose herself. No, I feel like this is good storytelling. Marty dies. Everybody else walks away. Except for Javi. That guy can eat Wendy shit. Wendy needs to die if, if Marty dies. I'm just No. Saying. I don't think Wendy's going to die. She's the worst. Yeah, but she's also like the most willing to make it out alive. I mean, like she's going to do anything she, yeah. that it takes to live. She let her brother die. I mean. She will cook Jonah on. into a pie and sell it. If it means getting out of there. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, that little bitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think Ruth will die. Okay. Well yeah. consider me another hot take. <laughs> Foolish boy. Foolish. Bait I just think man. how many times in the past could she have died? You know, because it's not like she's like this train like she's she's smart and she's resilient, but she's scrappy. She's, but yeah. she's not you know, by any means, like this mastermind, she gets out alive a lot of times by chance or Marty's help or this or that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like we're not going to reach that point. What do you guys think about Navarro? Is he going to get to live his retirement? I don't, I like him. He doesn't seem really mean to yeah. me. Like, I like Navarro. Yeah. Honestly, seeing who he is in this season made me question his ruthless, like point blank murder of Helen at this finale of the last season. Like he doesn't seem like that person. I think he's smart Neither enough to realize. Neither did Bill Cosby. So, yeah, I think his defenses have been worn. Whoa. Wow, I just that clicked for me. I can't believe you said that. No, it's fine. I, uh, I think Navarro's barriers have been worn down over the season, and I think when he shot Helen, he was still the person he was before, but now he's different because it's, it's only been like weeks or months. It does seem like a, a kind of fast. Change, but we also didn't know Navarro very well. Well, he knows there's only one way out, and it's the birds. He understands that their uh, their usefulness, so he's not willing to blow their brains out. That's that's how I'm seeing it. I kind of want him to uh, live. I don't think he's going to live. He's probably going to die. And I think his cartel is going to be uh, dissolved, potentially, or maybe not. Maybe Navarro and Javi will die, but someone else will just take. The cartel up. Maybe and Ruth will be the leader of the cartel. Yeah, maybe. Queen her. Maybe Jonah. The little bitch. That little bitch. Jonah's such a little... He's fine. He's, it's a phase. It's a phase. Anyway, 
there you have our little take on Ozark season four. Part this is one. good. If you liked Ozark seasons one through three, I think you'll like Ozark season 4.1. <laughs> you know, I think I'd have to agree with you. I'm the bait man. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the, uh, once again, I guess we could do the theme song for Ozark or no, there wasn't a theme song to Ozark last time. We played one of the opening like musical cues. Yeah, remember that? There's uh, a interesting soundtrack for this season. We so could here's play. here's something from the interesting soundtrack this season. <laughs> Here you go. I actually tagged a couple of the songs. Gabe actually tagged a couple of the songs. Yeah, I'm a pretty into cool guy. He's a pretty into cool guy. I'm into cool guys. Yeah, <laughs> but what if he was? <laughs> There's this running gag alley where Stephen thinks I'm gay. Can you believe that? It's not a gag. I'm not. I can't. Slave.